Okay, take 26. Yeah, take 26. Don't shout. Stop shouting. We are talking about your future. <laughs> Welcome to the Paths, Puddles, Products podcast. My name is Yuli. I work in product. I come from a service design background and most often I work in strategy. Any product or service starts from an idea and the journey it takes to fulfill its purpose is what we usually call design and development. But no idea will come to reality unless it finds a way to be invested in, be it work or money. Today's episode is a guest episode where we take another look at product development with my friend Antal Tony Károly. Tony is an investment banker turned angel investor turned social entrepreneur and we will be talking about his journey from crunching numbers in London's skyscrapers to hoping to create a better world. Come walk with us. Hi. Welcome to today's podcast. We are walking with my friend Tony today, or Tony, or Tony. How do how do we call you in an English Whatever environment? Like. <laughs> We're also walking in a new location for the podcast. It is called Margaret Island, and it's in the middle of Budapest. It's an island on the Danube. It is one of the most popular public parks of the city. It's beautiful. It's famous for its lush green fields and sycamore trees and statues of historic and literature figures. And today it's the four of us, Tony, I and the dogs. So welcome. Uh, it's good to be here. So Tony doesn't sound like he's Hungarian, but the truth <laughs> is <laughs> he is. I imitate. We invited him to come talk to us because the topic of impact and the need for impact seems to keep coming back in our conversations. And since I known Tony, he he's been one of those people who I think has circulated around this topic from as many angles as possible. Yeah, it's it's never enough, but <laughs> I'm trying. Let's also mention that it is a, a Monday morning, soon to be noon. Actually, it's not bad to be around on a Monday morning and not sitting in the, in the office. So I used to have a quality of life. Did you? When was that? Ten years ago. Now I remember. It's very nice to just uh, walk around. And, and live? We could, <laughs> we could do it more often. <laughs> I think we agree on celebrating this quality <laughs> in life. I was hoping that we start by maybe sharing the story how we know each other and when we know each other from. Because you are originally not from the product design no. circles. No, no, no. I'm, I'm a guest here and in product in general. We've known us for more than 10 years now, right? I know. I know. So, yeah, um, I remember you from a, from a startup meetup. What I remember is, is um, a lot of red hair. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And obviously talking very posh and, and very educated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I do have a weakness for intellectual <laughs> women with <laughs> a lot of red hair. With a lot of red hair. <laughs> so I do remember that evening chatting a lot after after the event, and um, we basically never stopped. That's true. When we met, what was 
your job title? Back at the time, that was pretty much the beginning or maybe the middle of my angel investing era, my period, <laughs> the blue period. That was one year after, I think, roughly, when um, I returned from London. Previously, I had been an investment banker and I kind of wanted to become a good person. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's always very dangerous. <laughs> and I started to invest into startups without having any clue of entrepreneurship or startups. So that was a um, great ride, but a very expensive one. <laughs> so that sums it up. But it did come with the perks that I got to meet a lot of really great people, including yourself. And going to meetups and talking to people and standing on, on stage or discussing some topic in a, in a panel discussion and all that, that was a really exciting period. And I think that was the startup 1.0 era in, in Hungary. That was when it, it all started. Why did you come back and how did you decide to try angel investing? We were just right after the credit crunch crisis, which was being a bank banker, to be honest, I felt, if not responsible, but I was definitely in the industry, right? So I wanted to quit and then I did quit uh, finance and banking uh, overall. And there were a lot of, after we'd been outside of Hungary for 15 years, so I really wanted to come back or with, with the family. So, so there were a number of reasons why we wanted to come back to Hungary. Not business reasons mainly, but the main reasons were kind of nostalgic or, you know, reconnect with the family and uh, find new friends. Um, we did come back and um, I was in search of a new life. And that was, that was the first time in my life when I thought, okay, so how I, I'm going to build my own life. Uh, I started to service design my, my life because up to that point, it was more like, okay, where's an opportunity? Is it an interesting opportunity? And I took those opportunities from the shelf or I didn't. But um, up to that point, I was mainly taking the opportunities from what were given or what, what I was presented with. Right. Basically, from the shelf. And this was the first time in my life when, when I really uh, gave it a thought how I should build my professional life together with my personal life in a holistic way. <laughs> Love it. For happy customers and uh, yeah. driving success. Yeah. And not making any compromise if I don't need to. And kind of the components I, I was looking for, I was looking for something, obviously something exciting, which for me is always something about creating stuff, new ideas, working on something new. I wanted to work with young people, not necessarily in terms of age, but uh, young at heart. Mm -hmm. I did have some, some savings, so uh, I was looking for investments and, and I thought, after the crisis, there must be some uh, opportunities around. And there was this idea of entrepreneurship. We were pushed at the bank to become kind of entrepreneurs. 
And I think the idea of entrepreneurship was already there. I had no idea at the time how different it is to be an entrepreneur versus a real entrepreneur, but at least some... What's the difference? As an entrepreneur, you are in a, in a safe place. Uh, you have basically unlimited resources. Entrepreneur is someone within the company? I think it's, it's a pretty much a bullshit word. <laughs> okay. um, to managers, they wanted you to phrases like take ownership and you're still part of a, of a big system. Nonetheless, you know, taking the initiative and being proactive and, and there are some elements of that that I thought must be similar when you are an entrepreneur. Okay. But you don't have, you know, being an entrepreneur or a business angel for that matter, you don't have a safety net. You don't have a monthly check hitting your bank account. You don't. Every month, you know. And specifically what, what you don't have, you don't have the resources. What a big system like an international corporate has. If, if the corporate decides to implement something, then you have departments, you have people, you have expertise, you have people with skills. You just don't have that uh, at a startup. So I am really curious, why did you pick this path of angel investing? Because there are so many others that you could have taken okay. since it was an open field. Yeah, the elements that I, I mentioned, working with young people, or as I said, young at heart people, having some money to invest, doing something that I find interesting, and also I was looking for some kind of an impact. Right. I was looking for something that really motivates me. Okay. That, you know, grabs me out of the bed every morning. And entrepreneurship seemed to me, I don't even think that startups are really, I mean, I have heard of the expression, but... Um, I think it was more entrepreneurship at the time. And I was thinking that, that sound, sounded something like creating something, you know, mm -hmm. exploring something, mm -hmm. which was really calling. And at the same time, I kind of remembered how many talents in Hungary say that, oh, I have this great idea. Uh, if anyone ever helped me in that. And I thought, okay, this is a chance for me to be that anyone. I didn't even know angel investor as a thing yes. when this idea formulated. What I did think that uh, being an entrepreneur, I didn't have a specific idea. So, so I thought, okay, I'm going to find the talent who's already out there and, and doing their entrepreneur thing. who don't have capital to start really. And then I start to work with them and, um, I'm going to learn entrepreneurship as we go. That was the plan. And how did it go? Well, it, I started 12 years ago now. And um, obviously many projects have failed since then. But um, there are a few that are doing well. And there is one that, that's doing great. So... It's still to be seen, so it's been a very long time, I have to say. But it seems to be that we're getting there. I find your story quite inspiring because I see a lot of pivots in it. Mm -hmm. 
from where I sit, I always look at it as some sort of like an, like an innovation circle or an innovation uh, environment. Where you sit, maybe you sit more from an entrepreneurship uh, perspective. And I would like to create an image of this thing that we look at it from all the different directions. I come from a very deep rooted product design background. That's where I started and this is what I've always been doing. And I might have been doing pivots and trying to take a look at it from different perspectives, such as, you know, working for the arts and more of an experiment, experimentive job than we met. Or working in a setting which is more of a corporate setting, which is familiar to you, but from a completely different situation. Or being an entrepreneur, in, indeed, or being part of a group of entrepreneurs, people you also are familiar with, or being a freelancer. So my arc is very different than yours. And so I'm always fascinated to hear what's the backstory to those who arrive to idea development, service development, product development, business development, in fact, from a very different angle. I never had the financial lag initially. In fact, I remember a very funny conversation with a, an ex-colleague of mine, an American uh, guy. We were talking about the dreams of the future. Mm-hmm. If our company would go, what do you call it when it goes to the stock exchange? IPO. And I remember talking about it and I at some point asked him, what is an IPO? Right. And he was asking me, what do you mean you don't know? You don't buy any stocks? And I looked at him, why would I be buying any stocks? And he said, well, my parents would discuss that every Sunday over lunch. Wow. And, and I told him, that's really nice. But my parents, our lunches on Sunday, when, when they were happening in my childhood, there was not even a stock exchange in Hungary. So there was nothing to be talked about. Yeah. So. <laughs> Very different culture. Yes. You were saying that a lot of ideas sort of, went left and then one remained that you are still nourishing is that right no i mean there are more that that remain but uh, one really successful one and um, a couple others that kind of successful but uh, didn't quite make it as we we were hoping or they became sort of normal uh, middle-sized companies right which is which is fine, but not from, from a startup investor point of view. And where are you now? Tell me about the project that you are with now, that occupies your days. So, in the last couple of years, actually, I grew increasingly impatient with um, the classic startup pitches. And I, I started to get bored with many classic startup pitches. Why? After a while, I realized that the, the, the problem was that with many, many of the projects, I didn't understand slash feel why people do it. What, what's the point? How will the world be any better if, if they succeed? I kind of I didn't care about the project. And I, oftentimes, I, I didn't see why they cared, which is even more uh, worrisome because... If you, if you build a company, a startup company, it takes 10, 15, 20 years of your precious life. And it's not easy, as I realized on the way. It's a hard job. It, it takes a lot of 
stamina. It, it takes a lot of effort and it, it makes you grow older. Uh, <laughs> so it's a tough life. It's not for everybody. If you are ready to invest that kind of exposure, that kind of effort, then I would think make it different, make it count. And if I don't see how that invested time would count, and uh, I started not to care. And I, I realized that uh, those projects interest me that have to do something with um, sustainability, with uh, social equality, social or environmental impact. I, I realized that those are the projects that interest me. And at some point I learned the expression impact investing. Again, that was maybe yet another pivot. I stayed in the startup world, in the startup community, but more with a focus on impact projects. So what does, it, what does an impact investing mean? It's very similar to startup investment, but um, with an ad additional, let's just say, KPI that you want to achieve some kind of a social and or environmental impact. Also, you are ready to measure that. It's, it's a real KPI. It's something that you want to achieve. It's something that you want to measure your success with, not only with profitability or growth numbers. You want to achieve some kind of impact in the real world in, in terms of social and environmental aspects. So it's actually, it's not easier than a startup. It doesn't sound easy. It actually is it's the same thing, plus another cause that you, you take on. Do you feel better doing this kind of an investment, this kind of a work? Absolutely. Why? Maybe it's a midlife thing, but, um, <laughs> but actually there are uh, studies that show that having a purpose... There are studies, and it's also my experience, that... Um, Having an actual purpose in, in your life. I'm not saying it puts food on the table, but it does help <laughs> quite a lot. I understand also in mass low terms, it's quite high up. Yes. I understand that. Last Thursday, there, there was this business festival. One of the um, speakers, he was talking about burnout. And, and I was one of many dozens who were outside of the tent and trying to listen to what, what he was saying. So that showed there is huge interest when men talking about burnout. Yes. And I'm not saying I know the solution. But I do think that part of the solution is to find a purpose, especially in, in a scenario where you are a corporate soldier or you have everything. Yes. I mean, you, you, you've done it. You know, you know you're yeah. in there, you're up there, and then you suddenly... You just go in, go to the job, and you have no spark, and you have no uh, incentive. How is a Thursday different from from a Wednesday? You know, kind of question. And I think it sounds maybe too new agey. I could see that, but then after a while, um, you know, when you've been in the same kind of job, maybe profession or, or whatever, I understand that people. Pivot. I don't think I'm the only one who, who pivots a lot, but um, there can be thought something and, uh, and you have the same routine every day and it, it gets harder and harder 
to pivot because you are now risking maybe too much. So in that context, I do think that trying to find a kind of a purpose is a good, good thing to do. Why do you think it's so difficult? I have a theory for that. I mean, it's not a full-blown theory, but observation more like. We have standard solution, solutions how we, how we live our lives. One solution is go uh, and work for a big company. You have job safety, more or less. I mean, I understand that cycles. You might, uh, might be laid off, but you know, you're going to find another job yes. soonish. There are alternative solutions that are widely different, like working for an NGO or uh, building your own, own startup. And all these solutions come with a very different package. Yes. And in terms of if you're looking for safety, if you're looking for purpose, the, the package is very different. Yes. I don't really see a solution where you have a kind of good balance between safety and purpose. You have to choose between. If you're working for a company, you basically sign up for, for a good paycheck, yes. uh, for sustainability, but you, you sold basically your soul. I mean, it's not for every company. I'm not saying it's always like that, but you know, yes. it tends to be yes. the case. So often I see companies talking about the golden circle and, and uh, invest a lot of time and effort into finding the why. You're a company. You've been around for 60 years and you don't know why you do what you do. <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> Isn't it weird? <laughs> it should be the other way around. You should know. If you know, don't know why you do it, then you should stop, I think. Okay. Now back to startups. As long as you have investment and you might be blowing you know, a balloon for, for a number of years, maybe a number of balloons, if other keep on believing you. But at the end of the day, it can be always you have a big idea and then the idea just collapses and yeah. then you start to work on a different idea. And you don't have that kind of stability that well, what you have with the corporate. And that I saw people uh, losing their partnerships or having a, a really compromised uh, personal life or not paying attention to their health. Now you're talking, I, I have a thought in one of our previous episodes. <laughs> I was telling the story to Aniko how before I started working, I was given a, a advice by another designer in Milan okay. who was a senior designer at the time. And when I asked his opinion, his advice, what does he think, where should I get started? He advises me to first, listen, <laughs> first work for my passion, work for the good cause, because as soon as I want to make money, I won't be able to do that. And as soon as I start to make money, I don't want to stop. So it's mm -hmm. quite funny that it's so ingrained that right. somehow, even in the form of advice, this right. person was not able to link the two. So. Yeah, and visualize that uh, there can be a third way. And another thing that I thought of just came to me as you were speaking, because you talk about companies, right? Like, how the hell is that a company doesn't know what they, yeah. what is their purpose if they've yeah. been operating for so long? But at the end of the day, those who have a burnout are not the company. They're individuals. Yeah, of course. And my question is that if people go into a job with this kind of a mindset, 
purpose or money, as yeah. we were also saying, yeah. then there is no other ending to this. Yeah, of course. So no matter whether a company has a, a purpose or not, if the people working for this cause mm. don't see that or don't have the two together, right? So my idea is to show I'm not alone and luckily impact investing and social enterprises. I mean, these ideas have been around for a while, many decades, in fact. So I'm by far not, not uh, the only person trying to do something. But I think we need much more, much more of that kind of thinking that we, we shouldn't see these two options as, as uh, two disjoint alternatives. Contradictory. Or contradictory uh, alternatives. I agree. Tell me about what you do now, because I think it's very interesting. Too. Okay, so um, I have a tiny, tiny digital agency. I'm working with um, deaf uh, programmers and designers. And the idea is to create jobs for them that are not readily available in, uh, in the current society. One of my colleagues, she's a wonderful designer, she learned to lip read and she talks almost perfectly. The other thing is that you have to communicate with her face to face. You can uh, have a, obviously you can't um, phone him, but uh, <laughs> yes. there's video conference as we learned from COVID, everybody has video conference. So it's actually not very difficult to work with her. And I'm very happy to have her on board but when she explains how her past was, she had so many difficulties with um, working for the digital agencies who were worried about, oh, she won't be able to speak to the customer, and then, then what? And I think there are so many talented people who are, I mean, I'm working on a very specific problem, the yes. deaf uh, community, but there are so many other people who are excluded. And I, I really believe, and I, I don't, only believe I know for a fact because I've done it already I know for a fact that it's possible to do more and to include more people who more groups who are excluded or they have difficulties to join those ranks yes. I don't think I'm working on the most important questions of our, of our age but I think I'm working on one particular problem and if more people were doing the same working on topics that they are interested in, probably we would be getting there quicker. I'm reading a book now uh, with the recommendation of Oniko, which is about how to create impact in the world. It's called okay. 80,000 Hours, which is the number of hours that you can have in your career. Right. And that you better choose wise what you dedicate it to. In one year is... You have 250 days a year, eight hours maybe, well, eight hours, you, don't, you are not productive for eight hours, but let, let's just say eight <laughs> hours. So that's already 2,000 uh, hours per year. That's spot on. Yeah, exactly. 40 years. Yeah. Yes. And one of the things that the book argues is if you want to find real impact, right. you should look around. There are a bunch of topics that a lot of people started addressing but then a lot of other topics that may be closer to home are lying untouched. Mm. And if a lot of people would instead try to look around and pick up a topic from the ground that is a lot less popular, right. then 
a bunch of others, then yeah. you could have an actual impact. Yeah. Um, That's very good. Yeah. I should so. read more books. <laughs> it just uh, supports your thesis. It, it does. Definitely, it does. <laughs> but don't you find it interesting that at the end, I mean, I don't want to say this is the end, but right now, where we are, you found a purpose close to home. Like you were circling around and around and at the end. Yeah, you can say that. Somehow, maybe we do link back to where we come from. Probably, it's very interesting because if we think about where we started today, it was like I was taking solutions off the shelf, right? I was following patterns, I was following uh, uh, good advice, yes. as, as, you, as you also said, right? And maybe that's why it, I'm trying to explain that I'm not stupid. <laughs> I was just, I was just <laughs> following others. <laughs> and learning from it, right? Because also I think the whole Hopefully. Startup, <laughs> the whole startup culture brought up the idea of fail fast, fail often, and learn from it, right? Which right. is also an idea that I find is not truly adopted in the wider business yeah. world, unfortunately. Not yet. The, yeah, there are so many things that if we reframe that actual thing from failure to, to learnings, you know, if, if you were together someone for, for 10 years and then and you, you have a divorce, I think if that were, those 10 years, most of the 10 years were kind of happy or happy. Yeah. I think that's a success story. <laughs> that's right. Okay, but, but coming back to project, so often if a project fails, I mean, you, obviously in the context of angel investing, that, that's how venture capital works. That most projects will fail, but that's all right. As long as you know that that belongs to the, uh, to, to the story. But it's difficult to explain to your wife, you know, because I'm spending... <laughs> my children's money on, on idiotic startups and when they <laughs> fail, you know, um, there are not too many happy faces around. <laughs> I can understand. Talking of investing money, what do you think about that idea still? When people not invest not in a startup sense, but in a charity sense. Oh. Is that, do we call it also investing? No, it's charity. <laughs> <laughs> but they put their money into something that will grow. Maybe it's not going to be their direct uh, effect on their funds or on their wealth. Yeah, I think that that's a very interesting question, how we think about charity. And also we should define what, what we think about charity. My definition might be just plain wrong, but I do have some issues with charity. Tell me. One thing is that we were talking about the, the compromise and the difficulty of how to include stability with purpose, right? Yes, yes. And, okay, I can see that someone, someone's working for a, for a um, big company and then they go to a charity event every now and then. It's okay. I understand that's kind of good try. <laughs> but at the end of the day, more often than not, I, I see that 99% of, of the focus is still on the making money part. And that 1%, A, it's not enough. I think that's not good. B, any impact. So my wish is impact should be ingrained in, in what you do. We should be much more open. We should think about and build models that uh, unite the two, that, yes. that you are making money while you're having an impact. Yes. And I think this area is just not explored 
by far not enough. So yes. there is much more to, yes. to, to be product designed over there. So, so that, that's the thing. And it, it seems to be just too easy a solution for me just uh, to go to a charity event every now and then. Not talking about the other uh, effect is that what happens with charity is that uh, events focus on popular, you mentioned earlier that there are less popular and more popular topics. Yes. These events uh, focus on, on some popular easy or to sell. easy to sell uh, things. And what about a lot of other things that uh, yes. don't get that kind of attention or they and are more uncomfortable to deal with? Let me insert a few things. One thing I wanted to mention is right now I work pro bono for an organization that uh, deals with stray animals in Hungary right. and the topics of stray animals is one of those that isn't so easy to communicate because it's not so comfortable because you have a choice between showing cute dogs and cat right looking cute or you show the reality which nobody wants to see right the emotional wave that comes with it and there are a bunch of other topics of course just like kids with certain sicknesses you can show them healing or you can show them suffering. Right. So as you mentioned, yes, a lot of these topics that need attention are not so easy to, to talk about and to communicate, and yet they need that attention. And because of this pro bono work, I've been digging into the idea of what you were just saying, that at the same time creating impact when you're investing. And I found a study... Uh, that was done in 2009 by Stanford University. They were creating models of the different ways how charities can stay afloat, which are the successful models in the long run. And unfortunately, they made a statement that charities that try to stand on multiple legs, one may be a for-profit leg, so creating something that they can actually also provide a service that doesn't seem to succeed on the long run. And Where's that? They didn't uh, elaborate on the whys, but they didn't find models, at least in the US, that were successful at being this double or dual models. I would love to understand that because I would think that social enterprises are at least the good practices there are when you do have multiple income streams. Yeah. But do social enterprises also have charity income some do they do you know i mean i was thinking my res uh, reservations about maybe that's wrong in a sense i don't want to talk against that uh, what i'm talking about is it's a spectrum in my mind starting from a complete charity to to being yes. nike or something you know it's it's, it's a wide <laughs> yes. spectrum what i'm saying is yes i would love to see more kind of in the middle Yes, I 100% agree with you. And I was really disappointed when I saw this study. But I also wonder about the why. Is this because nobody has invented it yet? Nobody has tried because other ways work well, at least in the US, because not, you know, they have a, a charity culture, at least over there, a well-working charity culture. Yeah, that's definitely an element of it. You know, I'm not... Uh, I'm not an expert, quite uh, on the contrary. I, I really don't know how effective the charity system is in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, the U.S., I think, is a, is a particular story on its own. But since they are often the trailblazers, it was interesting to read. Also, there are efforts in, from a very different uh, 
point of view is like there is the concept of um, B Corp, benefit corporation. I think it's uh, the short form of. So there is the concept of of a B Corp, and the idea is to have um, a triple bottom line, meaning you report not only the financials but also the human aspect and the environment aspect of, of what the you company do. mm -hmm. does. And that's a direction where I think we all have to go. It shouldn't be an option. Well, what, I'm, what I was explaining earlier, that you kind of need to meet in the middle. Yes. One way is to force companies to, uh, to report the whole complexity of what You can't just um, put anything that now there's a the possibility ju just to uh, sweep stuff under the, the, under rug. the rug. Sorry, yeah. So do you think that we need a new definition for success? The new definition of success should be that you, you are successful in, in all three uh, dimensions, yes. right? There is also a new directive in the EU called ESG, environmental, sustainable, Environment? Is social. Right? No, social. I think it's sorry. environment, yeah, so, yeah. social, and governance. Yeah. And if I understand correctly, I can't. I can't remember from which year on, but companies will need to create reports on that uh, who operate in yeah. this area. So I guess that's also an incentive that the EU is trying to introduce. And I, I think that's that's an interesting direction. There is a a game theory problem. If okay, so. If someone decides, all oh, right, someone or a company decides, okay, yes. so I'm going to be a good company. Yes. But that means that I have to invest a lot into changing my structures and, yes. and processes and so on. So if you, you are not doing that, I'm going to be a disadvantage. But if you kind of force from outside, I, I think that's definitely one way to go forward. Well, I was going to say, I'm sure you studied economics, but I'm sure you didn't because you studied physics. I didn't. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm a physicist. I have no clue about anything. <laughs> I love this. I did talk to people who, who study. So. <laughs> I was going to get to the point that there is a reason why even the governing body has an important role in changing the system. I mean, we can be uh, partisan change makers, but right. on our own, we won't yeah. be able to create the change. At some point, it will need to be also yeah, supported absolutely. from the top down. You know, also in this book that I'm reading, it brings up a lot of examples about if you want to create impact, your best shot is actually if you give your money away to a charity. Right. Because that euro or that dollar will go a lot further on the area where these charities operate than maybe the area that you can by yourself reach. Mm. You know, I don't have the full overview of what's going on on yes. that level. What I can talk home. My uh, feeling is that building a social enterprise, is, it sounds like a more sustainable story because if you give a lump sum to a charity and that is spent on help measures, yes. just one-offs, yes. that, that money is gone. I've been thinking about it since I read right. that. And I keep thinking that, okay, what do we want to achieve with impact? Personally, I don't talk in general, we humans, but like I, Yuli, or you, Tony, what do you want to achieve with impact? And what I, at least at this point of my life, I start to realize is actually the impact that I'm looking for is not necessarily the size of it. 
Oh, yeah. You know, it's not that I want to change something in the world. What brings me satisfaction and happiness yeah. is that if I'm able to create some kind of a change that I'm also able to see, so something that is accessible to me, and I can somehow see it happen. You also said, I think that was a very important point, that um, the change, the big change, will happen on, on a much larger scale. And I think producing... Um, examples, uh, producing results in, in a petri dish, you know, it's, it's a kind of a lab yes. exercise, yes. right? So once you do that, other people, other organizations can pick, pick up. So I think we're kind of pioneers. Signcorders, that's the first time I'm, I'm saying the name of Please the company. Do. But, yes. uh, this company, we don't know of anything like identical, similar, yes, but nobody, as far as I know, works on a digital agency with deaf people, right? And in, the, in this respect, I tend to think that showing that it, it, it is possible to be done, that can be very often producing the case studies, the best practices, you, you name it, that could be a good thing. And, um, I and agree. that's very satisfactory. I love it. I love that you're saying it. This is also just an epiphany for me now, because that's also what I've been creating with every project that I work Yeah. every single yeah. time. You told me, I mean, I pivot a lot. One of the examples, it's already seven years ago, a couple of friends and I, we, we founded the Hungarian Business Angel Network. Yes. With the idea of promoting the pros and cons, and especially the pros and how to become a, a business angel and avoid all those mistakes that I've learned you yes. know, on my way. And um, we've been working on this for, for a long time. It's still... A, a small association, but um, for quite a few years, it's been extremely tiny. I and mean, it, it was just um, a couple of friends. And now there are uh, startup entrepreneurs who are exiting from, from the companies and joining our ranks. Wow. And now there is more activity, there is more expertise. And, you know, now the community is growing and, and a very experienced startup entrepreneur has taken over uh, the presidentship yes. a year and a half ago. I was very relieved. I was really happy yes. to pass the baton. And if he continues the same path, the association is growing and, and there are more projects and events and, and it's a more structured. So it's growing nicely. And it's such a wonderful feeling to have started something, which I believe is, is a thing. Again, we are not changing the world, but locally in Hungary, that's the only angel investment association taking care of people who start to invest and, yes. you know, um, make it um, a more efficient process. And I, I think I'm very, very happy with the whole shebang, how it started. I'm happy with having been at the beginning. I was there. Yes. I, I'm proud of that. And it's very good that someone else continues adding their ideas, adding their expertise to, to that. So I think it's absolutely great to start something that in your time, while you're focusing on it, it doesn't have to grow worldwide. I mean, if, if you can grow it quickly, even better, but that's all right. So that's one example where I'm actually very happy with the result. And I can talk in kind of past tense because my role is, it's over is there. done there. Yeah. So talking of passing the baton, what about your current role? Because right now you're in a very different position than you've ever been before. Yes. How do you feel about the role that you are in now? And 
when will you come to a point of passing the baton? I have the role of, of the CEO, which is with a, with a tiny company like that, you are a salesperson, you are you are CEO, you are C a lot of O's. A lot of C's. <laughs> a lot of C's and other things. So that's every founder's story, I think. And yeah, in fact, yeah, now you are eating your own potion. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was very funny because um, I went to... Did you ask for advice? I did go... To, I was just going to say, <laughs> I, I went it. to um, a former in investment of mine and, um, and I, I asked for advice uh, for, from him and he did ask this question. So how is it? How does it feel? And I said, I have no problem because you've been in that industry for eight years. You have much more experience. Yes. Right? So I don't have any ego issues or anything. <laughs> you understand that that um, particular area much more. So I'm happy to listen to your advice. <clears throat> so I have no problem with that. But now I have the same issues and I'm trying to delegate and trying to find the right people for particular areas that I'm not good at or I don't want to do and or. I think we started with when you used to have a life. <laughs> do you have a life now? Well, not. it's not easy because, because the responsibility is sort of always with me. So, so actually, it's, it's more tense. I was talking about how um, being an entrepreneur is a, is a difficult thing, and I'm, I'm living that life now. So I used to be much more relaxed. Being an, an investor, the level of responsibility is, is different, right? And... It's, it's the entrepreneur who said, okay, so I'm, I'm going to do this and uh, the responsibility is on me. The responsibility is delegated, which it isn't at the moment. I have one last question. We talked about stability, impact, passion. Do you find that you can still keep the passion going when you are building this thing? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but it wasn't like, yes! So... <laughs> So, <laughs> how do you keep the passion going? That's what every woman wants to know. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, so I have an answer for, for every woman. <laughs> you can look in, into their eyes. <laughs> what happens is, you know, I work with my, my team on a daily basis. You know, we communicate via sign language. Before this uh, recording, we had our weekly stand-up meeting there was no uh, sign language interpreter so, so we were talking I, I was at least they were talking sign language i was trying to we had the meeting in hungarian sign language and working with those people for whom sign coders means um, a unique opportunity they understand that we are in the same boat and there is a purpose there is a mutual purpose and it's really good to, as I said, look into their eyes on a daily basis and, and see that they are happy having this uh, opportunity. I mean, that might fade with time, also for them, who knows. But at the moment, um, we have a very dedicated team and, and it makes us all happy and, and we want to make it quite a lot bigger, more impactful in Hungary, but also cross-border. So there's a lot to do. And what's the non-PC answer? Well, that's the non-PC answer as well. It does give a lot of purpose and 
it's not the non-PFC answer. The, the answer is if we don't manage to achieve our goals, then we'll see if, if the passion remains or, you know, if, if you can't grow beyond a certain level, if you get stuck. I'm not sure. We'll see. Can't predict, but uh, we tend to be ambitious. And if we don't reach our goals, we're talking about it, we might perceive it as, as a failure and maybe not as a, well, we've, we've created something. And uh, I'm not so sure, but um, I'm very optimistic, actually. There's a lot of potential. But if, you know, if sales doesn't go as, as I want, and then you know, we start to ask questions, is it, is it the problem that it's difficult to, uh, still difficult to educate the majority yes. society. The majority society is not prepared for working with deaf people with or without sign quarters. Yes. And it can be the case. And, and if um, that's the situation and we can't survive or at least can't manage to, at least to feel that, that there is a clientele who really wants uh, this kind of service, if that fails, then um, the burn burnout might uh, be coming. It's I remember us also talking about how with impact comes more responsibility. The business that you run has to be even more stable than an average yeah. enterprise would be for the reason that you feel responsible for the people yeah. that you employ, even more so, right? Yes. And but for that, we do have different sources of income. So. We do have a kind of um, NGO type income. Uh, we do participate in uh, in, in European uh, uh, cooperation projects, specifically creating education material for uh, young deaf people. So that's one. I'm not a big fan of um, grants, but Erasmus Plus seems to be working. We'll see. I'm kind of optimistic. Obviously, we have our for-profit leg, and there's a third leg. We offer trainings based on sign language. It's, it's about forming the mindset of the participants. It's a really cute and very unique training, and uh, it's, it's funny and emotional, uh, partially. So through our, our course, we can have different services. And we different impact. To, and different kind of impact, exactly. So that's why I'm saying that... There is a lot of room in thinking about uh, business models yeah. and having a cause that allows you to, to have different ideas that normally they are just not there. You, you know something, you, you understand a very peculiar space that is knowledge and that knowledge can be uh, turned into various business models. And I'm not saying we, we have learned all the possibilities. We have kind of three legs right now, but um, we already have a lots of ideas. Once our team is bigger, there is an actual list on our uh, whiteboard uh, with with our future, you know, Love it. future mo uh, things, including obviously pizza place <laughs> <laughs> run by deaf people that exists in uh, many cities, uh, both in the US and in Europe. I know a very good chef who can help. Oh, okay, very good. <laughs> And um, yeah, so, so there are lots of lots of other, uh, other ideas. So, so having a cause, I think that's kind of having an extra cylinder in, in, in your uh, car or extra motor even. So, I think we reached the end of our walk. 
Right, I understand. Thank you so much for walking with me today and for sharing your story. I loved it, like I always loved talking. It was very <laughs> eventful. There are so many topics to talk about. I mean, I'm, I'm really loving your concept. I think everything is product design in a way or service design. Thank the you. whole world needs to be designed. Yes. So there's a lot of there's a lot to talk about, and especially in, in terms of impact. Lovely having you, and thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Bye. Bye bye. Today's guest was Antal Tony Karoyi, former angel investor, founder, and CEO of Signcoders. The episode was recorded on a very busy Margaret Island in Budapest. It was produced by me, Yuri Mata. Original music by White Hot from freebeats.io. If you liked or disliked the episode, please let us know. You can find us on Instagram at path.puddles.products. We would love to hear your feedback. Also, please rate our show wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for listening and looking forward to hear you the next time around. Bye.